Hi, this is John, by the way, and today I'm looking at John chapter 1. Just a few fun little items to supplement your study from the official Come Follow Me manual and maybe other podcasts you're listening to. First of all, it's just kind of fun to talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, and to, to mention how unique John is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. Look at, listen to the word synoptic, not sin, S-I-N, but S-Y-N, like same, like synonym or synchronize, synoptic, same I. They sound the same, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. They have similar stories, and a lot of people have created harmonies, gospel harmonies, where they've combined them into just one story. But you can't do that with John. It's so different, and it starts so different that it's not one of the synoptic Gospels. In fact, it's a unique in lots of ways, and I thought before we talk about some of the verses in John, I'm looking now in the Religion 211 manual, which is available on your Gospel Library app, probably under Young Adult Institute, something like that. And I'm on page 196. It says in the Religion 211-212 manual, it says... About 92% of the material in the Gospel of John is not found in the other Gospel accounts. <laughs> That's why it's not synoptic. This is probably because John's intended audience, church members who already had a basic understanding of Jesus Christ, was decidedly different from Matthew's, Mark's, and Luke's intended audiences. So earlier we talked about the fact Matthew was a scholar, say, writing to the to the Jews and this is why he quoted the Old Testament so often to kind of point them to look this is the son of David that the Old Testament was talking about so he often quotes Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah Mark was writing to the Romans Luke was writing to the Gentiles or the Greeks and John is writing to members of the church of the seven miracles that are in the book of John five are not recorded in any other gospel Matthew, Mark, Luke presented information about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. John's gospel is richly doctrinal, with some of its major themes being the divinity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. This is something that you'll really notice, and something that was always curious to me was, it seems like in the Old Testament there are very few references to God the Father. And they don't distinguish the Father and the Son very much at all in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's as if when Jesus came, he was constantly talking about his Father. In fact, it says back in the Religion 211-212 manual, John recorded over 100, reference, 100 of Jesus' references to his Father, with over 20 references in John 14 alone. Every chapter in John, with the exception of John 21, has a reference to the Father. So, it's kind of like when Jesus came, he constantly was talking about, I'm going to take you back to the Father. I'm doing the will of the Father. He's talking about his Father, and that is why that message of Jesus is the Son of God is so prevalent in the book of John. There are also titles for Jesus in the book of John which are not found in the other Gospels such as the Word, capital W, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, and the Good Shepherd. 
and more than any other gospel writer, John recorded Jesus' own testimony of his divinity. So John is different that way, and it's wonderful that way. It begins differently than the other gospels. It, it actually has a pre-existence reference. In the beginning was the word. Notice in the beginning, I'm, I'm in John chapter 1, verse 1. Notice that, like the book of Genesis, it starts with the same words. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we get a kind of a Trinitarian, or an idea of the Godhead, I should say, here. The Word was with God, the Father, and the Word was God, God the Son. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, this Word who was with the Father. Without Him was not anything made that was made. When I was on my mission, our missionary discussion about the Savior, we read verse 1, 2, and 3, and then skipped to 14. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, this idea of Jesus being the Word the capital W, in the very beginning, and then he came to earth. Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, what's the significance of him being called the word? I like a statement of, well, it's in the Doctrine and Covenants as well. Elder Bruce R. McConkie said, Christ is the word or messenger of salvation. Thus, John's meaning is, in pre-existence was Christ, and Christ was with the Father, and he, the Son, had himself also attained godhood. Further, the gospel itself is the word, and it is because the gospel or word of salvation is in Christ that he, on the principle of personification, becomes the word. That's from Bruce R. McConkie's Doctrinal New Testament Commentary, Volume 1, page 71. So, this idea of Jesus becoming the Word is the message. The message of salvation is, is the Word. One of the things that I recalled from studying the Doctrine and Covenants a couple of years ago is these wonderful verses in section 93. Because we're learning all about the Savior and how He was in the beginning with the Father and He was the Word. And... In, in the section 93, there's some parallel verses. For, exact, for example, section 93, verse 8. Therefore, in the beginning, the Word was, for He was the Word, even the messenger of salvation. And what I like about section 93 is it tells us, it tells us about us. Go to verse 23 of section 93. Ye were also in the beginning with the Father that which is spirit, even the spirit of truth. So, here's the book of John saying that in the beginning the Word was with God, and here's the Doctrine of Covenant saying, you were also in the beginning with, verse 29, man was also in the beginning with God. That's also in section 93. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not created or made, neither indeed can be. These teachings about light come up in the book of John, and in the book section, or in section 93 of the Doctrine and Covenants. 
Now, continuing with some of the things in John that may stick out to you in this John chapter 1 is verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, that verse I had quoted back to me on my mission. Sometimes when we talk about the first vision, we talk about the prophet Joseph Smith seeing the Father and the Son, and here's this verse that says, No man hath seen God at any time. Well, if you look at footnote 18c, the JST edition says, Except he hath borne record of the Son. Whenever someone has seen the Father, they've also seen the Son. Um, And one of the things that you'll notice in Matthew 3, the baptism of Jesus There was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. Whenever the father appears or whenever he talks, what does he do? He testifies of the son. And Matthew 17 is the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son. 3 Nephi 11, when Jesus appears in the new world. Same thing, the father's voice, this is my beloved son. But still, what about this idea, no man hath seen God? Well, JST changes that, except he hath borne record of the son. But I also want to show you in the same book, book of John, you can hear me turning pages, go to John 6, 46. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. (laughs) So here in the same book of John, it says, well, but some have seen the Father, they which are of God. We are also reminded of, in fact, I put this, I put this reference in my own scriptures next to John 1, 18, Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56, which is when Stephen, the prophet Stephen, was being stoned. He said, I saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, which sounds very much like the description of the first vision of God having a right hand and of Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And of course, some will say, oh, that's figurative, whatever. But that's consistent. Another thing in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So it's an interesting point about no man hath seen God at any time. Well, some have. And so the JST correction helps that. Except he hath borne record of the Son, we have other instances where some have seen God, like Moses and and so many others. Another thing I wanted to to cover in John chapter 1, behold the Lamb of God. This statement of John the Baptist is the first time in the Gospels we hear Jesus given that title, the Lamb of God. Thousands of lambs had been sacrificed over time according to the law of Moses. And here is the lamb, not that a person brings, not that a citizen, not that a a Jew brings to the temple or a member of the house of Israel brings to the temple, but here's the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. In another spot, John 1, 36, looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. I don't know if you have seen that show the chosen. A lot of things I really like about that. There's, It's hopefully getting people into wanting to read, to actually get into the New Testament and see what's actually there and where, where have they taken some dramatic or poetic license in the movie The Chosen. 
But it is fun to see how excited that Andrew was when he was with John the Baptizer, as they call him, and he saw Jesus and said, that's the Lamb of God. And so they followed Jesus at the end of the book of John here, and Jesus says, what seek ye? They said, Rabbi, where dwellest thou? And Jesus said, come and see. Just these great three words, come and see. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. I put in my margin there, believe on their words. I, I just think it's interesting that many different ways that we are touched by a testimony. For some it's given to know, for others to believe on their words, but they just told him, We have found the Messiah. And later we know that Peter said, um, in Matthew 16, when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, that Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So Peter gets a, a witness, his own spiritual witness later. The last thing I wanted to cover in just a few little extra things to add to your study is uh, this, this Nathaniel story. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. So he used the same words that Jesus says, Well, come and see. Verse 47 of John 1, Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Jesus saw Nathanael coming and said, An Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. First time they met, Nathanael saith unto him, Once knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now, what does that mean to be under the fig tree? There have been lots of things written and even speculated about this. Let me share a couple of things. One of them was from Elder Joseph B. Worthlin in a conference talk in April of 1988, or you could find that in your May 1988 ensign. This is what Elder Worthlin said, Nathaniel apparently had undergone some surpassing spiritual experience while praying or meditating or worshiping under a fig tree. The Lord, though absent in body, had been present with Nathaniel in spirit. Nathaniel then recognized the Savior as the Christ. So that's one school of thought is that something must have happened to Nathaniel underneath that fig tree. And that's kind of how they portrayed it in The Chosen. Let me read also from verse by verse, the four Gospels by D. Kelly Ogden and Andrew C. Skinner. Every man under his vine and under his fig tree became a figurative and formulaic expression of living comfortably, safely, and securely. Just after Philip had encouraged his friend Nathaniel to come and meet Jesus, the following conversation ensued. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now going back to Ogden and Skinner, they say, The statement may be taken literally. Nathanael may have been meditating under a fig tree, 
or the statement may, may be figurative. Under the fig tree may mean that Nathaniel was living comfortably and contentedly, having no reason to make any changes in his life. By meeting Jesus, however, the course of his life would change abruptly and dramatically. Some rabbinical sources suggest that under a fig tree is the proper place for personal scripture study, and that the phrase may be idiomatic, synonymous with in search of truth. So I, I like that one. If I had to choose which one I like the most, <laughs> not necessarily which one is absolutely true, but the one I like the most is that is a place for personal scripture study and that somehow Jesus knew Nathaniel was contemplating and trying to receive inspiration. Now in section 41, verse 11 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord talked about Edward Partridge. And he said about Edward Partridge, his heart is pure before me. He is like unto Nathaniel of old, in whom there is no guile. So, I like that meaning, and I hope all of us are enjoying these this time to study. Come follow me, and orically under our fig tree, where we're sitting and studying and contemplating and pondering the scriptures and learning to hear him and receive our own inspiration and revelation about this. Well, there's a few ideas on John chapter 1, introducing the Lamb of God, the Word in the book of John, and to these early disciples, how they were introduced to him with that wonderful invitation, come and see. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <music>